0: this special episode of the Vetspace Ireland podcast with your hosts, myself, Michelle Maguire, and And myself, Hazel Mullins. And as ever at Vetspace Ireland, our main aim is to entertain, inform, engage, and inspire.
1: On today's special episode of the Vetspace Ireland podcast, we have teamed up with the Department of Agriculture, and we have Damien Barrett and Caroline Garvin on to tell us all about the exciting animal health Awareness Week and Antimicrobial Resistance Awareness Week, which is starting on the 18th of November. Hello and welcome to a very special um, edition of the Vetspace Ireland podcast. We are delighted to have um, Damian Barrett and Carolyn Garvin here today um, to talk to us all about the Animal Health and Antimicrobial Resistance Awareness Week. Um, So fire away, guys. Maybe, Damien, you could uh, give us an intro um, to who you are and uh, what's the week all about.
2: Thanks very much, Hazel. Animal Health and Antimicrobial Resistance Week is a week that's organised by the Department of Agriculture to highlight um, the importance of good animal health for for various stakeholders, um, including farmers, consumers, and um, the, the widespread, the wider livestock industry. The original concept for the um, Animal Health Awareness Week came from a review we carried out of our early warning surveillance systems, where it became clear that the it was there was a need to raise awareness among the farming community about the importance of detecting disease early, um, so that mitigation measures could be put in place to bring any. Um, outbreak of an exotic disease under control as quickly as possible but not only that um, like the exotic diseases are always going to garner the headlines but in reality endemic diseases are probably causing more economic loss at individual farm level and it's also important that farmers are aware of these losses and do something about them so in in that in that context, Animal Health Awareness Week was was initially established so as to have a conversation about animal health this time of year, probably when things are winding down a bit on light livestock farms. But then um, this year as well, this coincides with um, the World Antimicrobial Week, and like good animal health and dealing with antimicrobial resistance are inextricably linked. So um, th- this this. This is a week that I think it's good good for us to have these talks.
0: Damien, maybe just tell us what's your role in the department or uh, or what department you work from within that and how you're involved in in this in this new in this campaign, as it were. Uh
2: yeah. Um I work within the um the surveillance section of the National Disease Control Center uh division. And uh my date one of my day to day duties is the development of the animal health surveillance policy, and that's that's where the early this initiative, the review of the um, early warning surveillance system, originally took place. And um, that's really my role in in um, this week is due to its how it's linked with animal health surveillance.
1: And Caroline, tell us all about your role and and about uh, the antimicrobial resistance
3: week. Thanks very much, Hazel. Um, I I work in the antimicrobial resistance section within the Department of Agriculture. Um, It's a relatively new section because we have, I suppose, really started focusing on on developing actions to address AMR in the last three to four years. We launched our first national action plan in 2017, and it's a a joint national action plan with the Department of Health and also the EPA, because AMR, antimicrobial resistance, is in particular, a public health issue. When we talk about antimicrobial resistance, we're specifically referencing antibiotic resistance. So we're talking about bacterial diseases where the antibiotics no longer work. So what this week is about, the the AMR Awareness Week, is it's something that happens every year at a global level. So the, the 18th to the 24th of November, every year is World Antimicrobial Resistance Awareness Week. And on the 18th of November, we're going to have a special webinar specifically focusing on AMR. But the whole focus on this week is increasing public awareness at all levels, be it vet, farmer, general public, around the roles and responsibilities we all have in terms of keeping antimicrobials, specifically antibiotics, effective for the future. Because AMR is, is seen as one of the, it's in the top three global public health threats out there. And, you know, it's it's something that we, we don't possibly all realize that antibiotics have only been around for the last 60 to 80 years. And some of them are no longer working in certain parts of the, of the world. So, you know, there's there's an onus in particular on doctors and vets, because they are the two prescribers. So they are the gatekeepers, if you like. But we all have to manage our expectations, both as patients, when we go into the doctor, if we have a cough that we expect an antibiotic, it may not need one. But particularly as farmers, we have to look at how we How we treat disease, I suppose, firstly, how we prevent disease and secondly, how we treat disease and to try and reduce our overall use of antibiotics. And I suppose that's why we're working so closely this year with with Damien's division, because healthy animals don't need antibiotics. And so it's very much promoting the awareness that optimal health not only contributes to your profitability and overall sustainability, but it also has a key focus on protecting public health. Because if you have healthier animals, you use less antibiotics and any use of antibiotics drives the development and spread of antimicrobial resistance. So it's, again, just to highlight the link and, you know, make people more aware that we should be looking at antibiotics as a, a precious resource and not a commodity.
0: Yeah. So what does the week contain then? What What does it what, tell us what the week is about is all about and what's
3: going to happen? Okay well I I might kick off because the first webinar is on Thursday the 18th of November and that's a specific focus on AMR. It's a one health webinar if you like because AMR is a one health issue. As I've said it affects human health and animal health but there's also the environmental role because we all share the same environment. We have diseases traveling across from animals to humans you know so the same antibiotics are used in animals and humans. So there's very much a connection and we refer to that as a one health concept. So in terms of what's been talked about on the day, I suppose we have two speakers. We have a consultant microbiologist from NUIG Galway in hospital there. And we have a GP who's based out in Cork and both uh, Martin and Nuala will be talking about a more in the midst of COVID. So, you know, everyone knows what COVID is and the the need for effective medicines, particularly the vaccine. And so they're going to talk how, you know, the similarities, if you like, between a disease that you can't treat and and the importance of having effective antibiotics. So they're giving it a human health perspective. And then we have um, the senior vice president of the British Veterinary Association. And he's very much going to talk about how agriculture has led in addressing AMR from a UK perspective. So he's gonna talk about what they've done over there in terms of um, better stewardship and prescribing, what progress they've made at farm level. So it's, it's just really interesting to hear what's been done in, in the UK and see, can we learn from it? Can we you know, improve on what they've achieved? And finally then we have a pig farmer and his vet talking about his experience specifically in, in what he did to reduce antibiotic usage on his farm to practically zero. Um, It's very much an example of a a leadership take and a responsible approach to the use of antibiotics. And he will discuss the the tools he used, particularly in terms of vaccination, biosecurity. And it's a message that transfers across all the sectors. It's not a pig specific message, but it's very much highlighting what can be done. And then there'll be a discussion and an opportunity for for the audience to send in questions. So we hope it will be educational, informative and interactive.
1: A great session because you're you're ticking a lot of boxes, you're covering different aspects. And um is it James Russell is the best that's is That's right, Hazel. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So I, I saw yes. practice with him in in the UK when I was a student and he was even very inspiring, you know, thinking about this back then as well. And and it's interesting to have the doctor's perspective and also to have, you know, a farmer's perspective as well. So it's yeah, it's great.
3: Yeah, I, I think it's important that there's there's a conversation across the two professions, you know, mm-hmm. and that because initially when we started looking at AMR, there was a little bit of a concern that it was, you know, one side was blaming the other side, and it's you know in terms of you know say people saying, oh, it's all the farmers using the antibiotics, you know, so it's very much about education and collaboration and sharing different perspectives. But I mean, the road in human health is, is to look at better prudent prescribing practice, but it's the same in veterinary. So it's how we how we get there, how we create an awareness and an understanding that we have to change our behaviour in terms of how we view antibiotics.
0: Brilliant. Very good.
2: Damien
3: have you got... and yeah and the
2: second webinar is going to take place on monday uh, November the twenty second and we're following on the one health theme here again but this time the focus is going to be on zoonosis and our our first speaker is going to be uh, dr Helen Roberts from defra and um, Helen Helen among other things is a is a is an advisor to the g7 on um um exotic disease emergent disease uh, risk risk analysis but she's also the chairperson of the hairs um um group and this this hairs actually stands for human and animal infectious risk risk group and um risk surveillance group rather and uh she's going to talk about a number of emerging zoonotic threats um that that group has looked at uh, I'm fortunate enough to attend those meetings on a monthly basis and some of, the, some of the topics that have come up for discussion over the last couple of months have included Brucella Canis um, among, um, among um, dogs that have been imported from Eastern Europe and indeed airlifted from Afghanistan. Um, our next speaker is going to be Dr. Margaret O'Sullivan uh, from the HSE and Margaret is the HSE lead on zoonosis in Ireland and she's going to give an overview of, of zoonosis in Ireland at the moment, what's common and uh, what, what are the more, more, more common findings and just to just to let the audience know what, what are the major zoonosis um, being, being diagnosed by the medical profession in Ireland at the moment. Uh, this is going to be followed by um, Dr. Anita Zentel from UCD, a parasitologist in UCD, who's going to talk about the emerging threats of tick-borne diseases. Um, as uh, farmers and 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 practitioners are probably more more familiar with tick-borne diseases than the general public, but they have becoming they become more important from a zoonotic point of view. In that um, as people are becoming um more aware of the of the natural surroundings and going taking up hill walking and that there's people that would have had no uh, prior resistance to our exposure to tick-borne diseases picking those up and um i remember a couple of years ago reading about some an outbreak of q fever in um the netherlands that actually led to quite a bit of mortality and i suppose i remember as well um a few years ago when I worked in Sligo, um, there was a report of a of a person, a Scottish person that had been hill walking in Donegal acquiring Lauping Hill, Hill, which we which is we all associate with with sheep, but um, this this person, there's no there's no suggestion that he actually acquired it in Donegal per se, but um, he nonetheless he had acquired it. And our final uh, speaker that e- that evening is going to be uh, Kira Reid Reed from the Ark Vecme Group in dublin um kira is going to speak about um zoonotic pet zoonotic disease and family pets and what she's going to actually give a case study of of salmonellosis in dogs as a result of the feeding of raw meat and it just reminds us that we can pick up um our best friends man's best friend can actually carry disease and um through no fault of his or her own they may bring they may bring a zoonotic disease into our houses and and um, the reason we actually included a companion animal topic here is that companion animals by their very nature they are companions they're probably the animals that are in closest contact with people and therefore they, they have there is that potential for zoonotic disease to be transmitted to their owners
0: yeah and very timely as well with the the emerging trends in raw feeding and things like that um the health mornings don't seem to come with the all the benefits that are sold with it, so that's I think will be very well received and a great lineup there on that day as well, Damien.
2: Yeah, yeah, we're we're very fortunate in the um, in in the the speakers we have. Like we have people that are quite expert in their field, and that we're we're delighted to have them here with us this on on that evening sharing their knowledge.
1: Excellent. Um Neil I think it's a, I think I agree with Michelle it's a good lineup and I think we kind of forget about all the all the zoonotic potential that uh know the animals that we're in contact with
0: have so sometimes it's good to have a reminder and as the only non-vet here I didn't even I don't even know what those two diseases were that Damien mentioned (laughs) so I was just like I don't know what they are but they sound really bad I don't want to catch them
2: (laughs) no I don't think you want to catch them is right Um, and and like I think I think part of the thing for us that are dealing with animals on a day-to-day basis is that while we may be aware of these I think because we're so familiar with animals and we're so close up to them, we may, there is the potential for us to be a bit more complacent. And I think the reason we have this day here is that it's first of all, to remind people that of, of, of the threat. And also I suppose one of the main reasons we're we're very keen to get a lot of people in the veterinary professions at these webinars in the sense that they can become our conduits for speaking to the general public um, and, we're we're looking forward to a a good turnout if possible
1: excellent and caroline what's up next then
3: yeah hazel next up is a focus on herd health and i suppose the importance of proactive herd health planning to, to to maximize your health outcomes but also to minimize your antimicrobial usage so again we're very lucky we have a great lineup which should you know be of interest to a lot of, of, of people attending. The first speaker is Ailish Moriarty. She's a, a manager of milk quality in Kerry Agri business. And Eilish is, is currently a Nuffield scholar, which means she is going off and doing a lot of value Valuable research and what she is doing is she's looking at bulk milk antibody testing as a herd health management tool so she's seeing what disease what diseases can you measure um by doing bulk milk testing and it's i suppose it's to maximize the value of of any tools that are out there for dairy farmers so she she'll talk about that and then our next speaker is um fiona Lovett who is an rcvs um sheep flock health consultant in the UK but she's also a clinical lead on a farm vet champion program that they have in the UK and we're, we're really interested in this ourselves in the context of our own actions to address AMR because this program very much works to empower vets to to supposed to educate and empower vets to establish good antimicrobial stewardship both in their practice and also on farm. So, I mean, that's where we want to get to. We want all vets to understand the importance of their role when they prescribe antimicrobials and to work with their farmer clients. Again, it's a collaborative effort, but really from an AMR perspective, it all goes down to education. And so that's what Fiona will be talking about, the success of that program. And maybe it's something we consider implementing here. Who knows? Um, then our next speaker is a great speaker, Fanola McCoy from AHI. And Fanola has been the program manager for the very successful Cell Check program. And they have really driven, you know, reduction at a national level in, in SEC, significant reduction in the last 10 years. So she's going to talk about specifically the benefits of selective drug therapy for dairy farmers and this is particularly important because there will be new legislation coming into force in january of next year a key driver in this veterinary medicines legislation is to address antimicrobial resistance and there are specific requirements around how antimicrobials will be prescribed once this new legislation comes into place and this is to protect not just animal health but specifically human health and One of the drivers is that there will no longer be blanket dry cow therapy. We're one of the few countries in Europe that still practice this, where all cows are treated with a a tube at drying off. So Fiona will be talking, or Fanola will be talking about how to approach selective dry cow therapy, because the new legislation is now saying you can't use antibiotics to prevent disease unless in exceptional circumstances where there's a very high risk of disease. So what Fanola will be will be promoting is is milk recording and you know selecting our advice is how you can select what cows need antibiotics and what don't because the reality is some of the antibiotics in these tubes are drugs of last resort in human health as i said earlier we use the same families of antibiotics and You know, I've seen it myself in my own family with one of my children who got a really bad E. coli renal infection and was taken into hospital, was really, really sick. And I was sitting beside her and it's not a good place to be. And uh, the first and the second antibiotic were of no benefit to her. And I asked to see the, the culture and the susceptibility testing. And there was ten antibiotics that she was that she that, that she was cultured for. And only one out of the ten was going to be effective. And boy, was I glad there was one out of the ten. But I also recognized it immediately as one I had used in, in dairy practice, in beef practice and also in dogs and cats. So, you know, that, that really brought it home to me that how, how important it is for vets to prescribe responsibly but um, sorry now just i 've kind of gone off a bit there on a tangent, but I just think it 's such an important message that people realize that what, what we do as farmers and vets has, has an impact down the line for all of us. So Fanola will talk about the selective dry cow therapy approach, and then our last speaker is james O 'Shapnessy, a fellow colleague in the Central Veterinary Research Laboratory in Daffham, and he 's going to talk about future future parasitic challenges at farm level, so he 's going to cover, I suppose, in particular, maybe anti parasitic resistance, which now is also a problem. It's not a problem in human health, but it is a problem in animal health that has been growing over the years. And as a direct result of that, The antiparasitics that will be supplied from next year will be will become prescription only medicines. So farmers will only be able to access them on foot of a prescription. This is a big change, but it acknowledges the evidence of resistance in our animals in Ireland. And it also acknowledges the expertise of veterinary practitioners. And it's I suppose it's all to say to vets that they need to be aware and upskill on the whole area of prescribing of these of these precious medicines. So, um, so that's what James is going to be talking about, and possibly he will also reference things like, you know, the, 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 the increased evidence of, of liver and rumen fluke, um, particularly now with the change, the whole climate change debacle and the more rain we're getting is leading to increased levels of our challenges of liver and rumen fluke. So, you know, a mixed bag on that day, and hopefully there will be a lot of, of, of topics that will be of interest to the audience. Um,
0: Caroline I just want to say I think it's really important that you mentioned you know about what happened with your daughter and that must have been absolutely terrifying and I think it's stories like that that you know we do need to hear the human cost of of AMR um, and it happened to myself I had I was very ill a number of years ago in hospital and had a multi-drug resistant uh, infection as well and I I was so ill but I'll never forget seeing all the consultants standing over my bed on like day 10 scratching their head going shit you know where are we yeah. going to go from here like and I had an anaerobic oh horrible um peritonsular abscess and I had to have it lanced every day and I'll never forget that like it was I remember being scared you know and they were like I knew they weren't trying trying to panic me but I knew that they were all so worried <laughs> at that stage yeah when I was going yeah. onto to the last line antibiotic that was going to work for me as well.
3: And and I and I think, Michelle, that's why we brought in Martin Cormican, who's the consultant in Galway, because he will say, you know, he's dealing with it on a daily basis, those kind of scenarios, you know, where, where they're worried, what are we going to use next? Yeah. You know, and um, just to follow up, my, my same daughter who just, she has, dysplasia and she's had to have a lot of surgery and she was in for a second round of surgery and she was in a ward and I was sitting beside her and suddenly I noticed this kind of panic there were nurses running in nurses running out and then they, they they took one of the children out of the ward and I just said to one of the nurses what's going on and it turned out the little boy had had his appendix removed and he just wasn't getting better and they had just cultured what what is referred to as an ESBL E. coli. Now, ESBL means they're highly, highly resistant. They're resistant to the penicillins, they're resistant to cephalosporins. And so they took him out of the ward straight away. And then they wanted to culture, take some swabs from all the other children in the ward. Now, I will tell you, I was I was really, really worried and she was only coming around from the surgery. She had a couple of wounds on her leg because she'd had plates removed. And as soon as she woke up, I just took her home. I just, yeah. I overreacted, but I just thought I can't deal with her picking up this ESBL E. coli. I just, I think I had traumatic flashbacks true enough. the last time. Yeah. You know, but it just highlights that these, these bugs are out there. Yeah. And we just, as, as vets and as farmers, have to be really careful what we use and how we use it. 100%. Yeah.
0: Very
1: true. And just to comment on the um, Fiona Lovett, she taught me in college in in Nottingham in 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 uni, and she's a fantastic ambassador for the Farm Vet Champions. It's a fantastic campaign, and I remember doing a webinar with her, and I was thinking, how can Irish vets join this? And she said, yeah, of course, but I think it would be lovely for Irish vets to maybe have you know a a version of that ourselves and i think something to work upon would be good yeah
3: yeah well we're, we're putting the, the idea out there anyway at this webinar and if it gets some support and you know we, we'd definitely be keen to to, to develop it further
1: and damien what's up next then after what's your next webinar
3: the
2: the, the final webinar is on the 24th of november and uh, the theme is emerging disease threats but i suppose as Podge and raj would say it could be described as a a scare at bedtime <laughs> um this this um the first speaker that evening is going to be dr philip robinson who's um who works in the the new veterinary school in harper adams university in the uk but uh philip is originally from county antrim in, in northern ireland and he was in he, he previously worked in practice and for Dera in in the north And he happens to be he happens to be one of the vets that actually diagnosed foot and mouth disease in in the north in uh, 2001 in in that outbreak. And uh, Philip is actually going to talk about the the actual experience of being a practitioner, um, looking, looking at the tongue, the tissue on the tongue sloughing in front of his eyes. Mm -hmm. And then um, he was at that time, he was living on the on the home family farm at home as as he was as he was working at the case up it dawned on him that he wasn't going to be able to go home that night or for the next fortnight until such time um, as 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 that that risk period had had finished so it's quite a it's quite an interesting human story from a number of perspectives yeah. our second speaker that that evening is going to be professor simon moore from severa in ucd and simon is going to be talking about the involvement of uh, the veterinary epidemiologist, veterinary epidemiology team in UCD, in NEFIT's modelling, um, that team was involved in in developing some, a lot of the inputs into the models that we heard so much about in the news. That um, that was actually informed NPHET's, um control program for COVID. So it's actually going to be quite interesting to see. This, I suppose, is an ultimate one health, like one health as well as the health of the environment and um, people and animals it's also about collaboration between the professions that work in those areas so this was w- one health in action uh our next our next speaker is going to be um sunisha joan from the uh the national disease control center um our, our our own division and she's going to be talking about the threat of blue tongue now, as, as, as you're all aware, blue tongue is a midge-borne disease and um, it's, it's one of those diseases that's economically important in the sense that um, it's, it's required for, for it's pre- I suppose, as well as causing clinical disease, it's one of those primary um, trade diseases and an outbreak can lead, would, would lead to a, um, a loss of live export markets. Um, I suppose we, we think of that this disease could well be introduced to the country by windborne infection, like midges can be transported for up to 400 kilometers by wind. But the reality of it is, is that this is more than likely going to be introduced to the country um, through the importation of of livestock um, from areas in which it's endemic, like the like of France. And the, the point of this talk is to really raise awareness of this. This year, there's been a quite a substantial increase in the n- number of livestock imported from areas where uh, blue tongue is endemic and we're, we're quite concerned with that trend and there are ways to mitigate the risk primarily by ensuring that the animals are, are um, imported during the the, the the part of the year in which the, the, the midges are inactive, but um, the, uh, it, it still remains a concern to us. So um, the next talk, I'm actually giving that talk myself. It's uh, it's it's basically um, biosecurity lessons learned from an outbreak of LP low path avian influenza in County Monaghan in in, in uh, 2020. This involved this outbreak involved 20 flocks um, spread uh, throughout throughout North Monaghan. Well, Monaghan there, there, there was various parts of Monaghan, um, but at the same or prior to that, there were also outbreaks in Northern Ireland and the UK, and um, th- our 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 findings would suggest that um, these th- the disease spread from from premises to premises through breaches in biosecurity. And while this is um, may seem to be specific to the poultry industry, it's also um, that I think the lessons in it are. are are pertinent to other industries as well um, we're, we're delighted as well to have a, a colleague from dara speaking on african swine fever and preparedness for african swine fever and that's Jim uh, Jim jimma, jimma Daly. um like these exotic diseases don't know any borders and it's important that um that ourselves and our colleagues in the north uh, work work collaboratively on on these on these diseases. Indeed, we do. And um, as I said, we're glad Gemma will be joining us that evening. And our final speaker that evening is going to be Mike McGann, um, a well known farmer um, who's the chairman of Animal Health Ireland. But um, mike isn't going to be talking about animal health ireland that evening he's going to be talking more of a subject closer to his own heart and he's going to speak about the importance of having a good choice of antimicrobials available for those that are immunocompromised and um it's 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 going to be um a, a, probably a story personal to him and his family so um as i said we're we've got a couple of issues we're going to discuss that night That um, we don't mean to frighten people, but we certainly want to um, just to make them aware of the seriousness of of these these conditions and that um, we need to we need to be proactive in in dealing with them.
0: Yeah, well, it sounds like there's a lot of potential threat there. So um, sometimes, Damien, you have to frighten people a little (laughs) in order to uh, invoke proaction rather than reaction, I guess.
2: Yeah, well, we're hoping to do it in a nice way, but I think uh, we we are we are going to be using um, light scare tactics, I suppose.
1: <laughs> Ripping the bandage off, and yeah, I think um, yeah, I, I did a little. I had to do a little present or um, an assignment on blue tongue actually um, for my certificate in Edinburgh University, and it was interesting. I I never really looked into it too much, but there's there's quite a bit if you um want to import an animal and all the blood tests and there's there's quite a bit like Ireland we're doing a bit to to keep it out but I suppose it's it's always going to be a risk
2: yeah well every animal that's imported from from risky areas is going to be subject to um a, a blood test uh both an antibody and a PCR test what ha- it has happened on on occasion um that the animals have been imported they have actually been infected, that they have been actually PCR positive. But thankfully, um, it hasn't circulated into the native midge population. And I suppose the key way of this is that if one of the key elements of of preventing this is to ensure these animals are imported at a time of year that the midges are not active. Because if this gets into the the native midge population, we're in quite a bit of trouble because um, there basically is an exclusion zone set up a 150 kilometre exclusion zone set up around the case which where there's going to be a prohibition on, on the export of those of animals from within that area that 150 kilometre zone now they may be if they test negative to blue tongue they can be exported but that's that's putting a whole layer of 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 um, testing um, where where it hasn't been there before and um, it let's just say it'll be very disruptive to the live export market Mm -hmm. so i think um this is this is definitely something that we'd rather not have and at the same time as as um caroline alludes to there in the talk that james o'shocknessy has given the parasitic challenges are changing as a result of climate change so um there's almost a bit of an inevitability blue tongue is going to get to this country sometime but we hope um it's not going to be for quite some time
1: Maybe in my lifetime of being a, a large animal vet. Hopefully, I won't see it, but if yeah. I do, I'll think of this webinar and this this chat.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: I uh, I I'd be afraid it probably will be in in our working lives. Certainly, yeah. your working life, whatever about mine.
0: <laughs> thinking of the hundred and fifty kilometer um exclusion zone, like that's a that's massive in a country our size
2: well like how
0: many farms could that encompass in certain parts of the country do you know like that's
2: well if if we have some maps on that and if it was to happen say in Atlone, um in the center of the country essentially that's excluding all livestock farms in the country there's very few not left out like it's it's um it, it, it 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 it's quite it's it's it would have quite serious implications now so it would it's not it's it's something we get over but it costs a lot of money to get over it yeah
0: so let's keep it out out. Yeah. yeah yeah caroline is there anything else that we need to add about the week or tell people sorry have we covered all the the days we have yes yes yeah
3: yeah we have yeah
0: anything else we want to tell people about this week um, and the messages that we're trying to get across, and obviously Hayes and where I to find and them as well, are yeah. going to be sharing lots of information as well for you guys.
3: If I could just add in that we are we are launching our second national action plan on November the eighteenth as well. It's our second national action plan to address AMR. So the ministers for health and agriculture will be launching that um, around two o'clock that day. And it's just to acknowledge that our first action plan had 54 actions across five five objectives around rare, awareness raising, disease prevention, responsible use and further research. 54 actions and the stakeholders took them all on board and completed 28 of them. And we the rest travelled into INAP2 and we now have over 65 actions in INAP2. So it's just to acknowledge that There is a lot of awareness out there and people are doing things. But we still, we, we know there's a long way to go. And just to take you up, Michelle, you mentioned about the potentials in the whole emerging disease threat. Um, AMR isn't a potential, it, it's a reality. It's there, it's in our human population, it's in our animal population, and it's in our environment. There are resistant bacteria in our water sources, there are resistant bacteria in our soil. And so you know, we really need, everyone needs to play a role in ensuring that they use antibiotics as little as possible because that's the key to addressing antimicrobial resistance. And the last message I'd just like to get out there is there is a difference between antibiotic residues and antibiotic resistance. And just because you have produced an animal and sent it to slaughter outside of the withdrawal period, so there's no residues in the meat Those animals, by being treated with antibiotics, could have resistant bacteria that contaminate the environment or possibly the food chain. So, you know, any use of antibiotics drives resistance. And the other thing to say is you might never have taken an antibiotic yourself, but it doesn't mean you won't pick up that resistant bacteria like the one that you had, Michelle. You know, you're probably not taking antibiotics every day, but you still got that resistant bacteria so yeah. it's just uh, it's, it's, it's to create awareness and to make everyone aware of the importance of keeping antimicrobials effective how dependent we are on them in the 1900s women died quite routinely in childbirth because there was no antibiotics to treat disease we've moved on we've we've you know we, we've moved on with surgery all those things that rely on antibiotics so we just need to be We need to think about how we use them. We need to change our behavior and awareness raising is the key to driving behavioral change. And that's where we're going on the AMR front.
0: I actually did read something somewhere. I'm sorry now for this something somewhere, but I I remember reading a statistic in in a magazine, a a new scientist magazine, not a (laughs) now magazine. Um, Something (laughs) like, um, (laughs) so someone tell me now if I'm really, really wrong. But it was something like uh, that it was uh, AMR will, I think the predictions are by 2050, be responsible for 50 million deaths annually. And I think that you mentioned the the women in pregnancy and that the majority of those would be women in childbirth. Have I made that up or did I dream it? Or does anybody know is that a legitimate thing to say?
3: No, no, you you haven't made it up, Michelle. Um, It was published. There was the O'Neill report back in the UK about a number of years ago, and they did this prediction. He's an economist, but he predicted that by by 2050, there would be 10 million deaths per year as a result of resistant bacteria that we'd no antibiotics to treat. And not only, but there would be 8 million from cancer. So the deaths from antibiotic resistance would surpass cancer. And there are countries around the world, particularly the less developed countries, where they don't have, antibiotics don't work because they, they use them, they don't have prescription control. They're just bought over the counter. And it's those countries now, there's quite resistant strains of TB in certain parts of, of Africa. There's no antibiotic to treat them. But those strains will travel. Because, like blue tongue, AMR has no borders, and it's the travel. We, we had a, a very resistant um, bacterial outbreak in, I think, it was the Netherlands, and it came from India, because in India, again, there's less control and supply of antibiotics. So that's where the resistant bugs come from, and then they travel across. So it's it's a collective, it's a global problem, but you know, and, and Martin Cormican will talk about it on Monday, on the, the 18th. He will say that long after COVID is gone, AMR will still be with us. So, you know, it's just something to bear in mind. If, if I could yeah. also
2: add, I, I think um, we're in the week of the COPA or the COPE this week. And the whole thing about uh, sustainability and all the pressure, all the talk about having this to cut um, cow numbers. But um, I think globally, I, um, 20 percent of of losses um in livestock production are due to uh disease and i think it's a the whole issue of animal health in in sustainability and the sustainability debate has not probably got the hearing it it should have got as of yet um i think like i've in, in, in preparing for this week, I've I've been doing quite a bit of reading um and and trying to get some sound bites for for farmers in particular. And and a few things have come to mind that that I think are quite quite memorable in a way. Um cattle research carried out in Ireland um with cattle that are carrying that have had fluke shows that they're being finished at about 50 kilos lighter than their comrades that have no fluke. So that's a that that's a loss. Um, we've seen that there's a other, other research I came across this week that uh, a case of, a case of uh, respiratory disease as a calf in a dairy heifer can result in an increase of calving intervals of 12% when that cow matures. And Mm -hmm. there's, there's a whole lot of those things. And I think one of the, one of the greatest advocates for sustainability for light in livestock production is Jude Capper. And, and, She's she's actually a very inspiring person to listen to in the sense that she doesn't come along with the magic bullet for in the sustainability debate. She comes along with basically it's a question of doing, um, as the unbelievables might say, doing your own little thing in your own little way, to, but doing is better <laughs> and doing a whole lot of little things better rather than than one big bang. So I, I think that's an that's another thing that we probably need to get animal health more into this sustainability debate. Um, so that our skills and services may be may be utilised to uh, to actually achieve well, we, we're not going to achieve net zero from a from a from a, a livestock production point of view, but and and I don't think we can. But certainly, if we can improve things,
0: yeah, very good. Mm.
1: Well, I think that we've covered an awful lot in this podcast, and I think it's been very worthwhile. It's both raising a huge amount of awareness. But also, I think, good discussions in between, you know, talking through the talks as well. And I think no matter what time you listen to this, it's going to be relevant. Um, but I think we're going to be putting up the webinars on our Instagram with links and our Facebook and um, website. They'll be on our
0: website, website as
1: well. So if you want to hear any more about these webinars and, you know, if there's a talk that's that's resonated with you that you would love to listen to, then uh click onto our website and we will have the links there for you.
0: Yeah. So I'll be tuning in because I'm very interested in all this stuff simply because I'm a geek. Yes. And I think it's very relevant to my career as
1: well as a farm vet. So I think um definitely there's a lot of there's a few talks there that I'll definitely be tuning into. So uh, Caroline and Damien thank you so much for joining us and for you know telling us all about the week and it's just been a pleasure to help you guys out and um, record the podcast
0: and well done for organizing such a fantastic event as well you know it's it's going to be i think each each webinar sounds fantastic and there's a lot lot of mixed topics in each one so well done
3: thanks very
2: thanks very much for having us we really appreciate the support
3: it's great to get the opportunity and just to say it's been exhausting so we really hope (laughs) people do tune into these webinars because it's nearly killed us (laughs)
1: <laughs> well you heard it there so tune in guys
0: thank you for listening to the fedspace ireland podcast don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode and to find out more go to fedspace and don't forget to check us out on social media and tag us
1: whilst you're listening to the podcasts we'd love to see it